I'd like to say good morning to the class. Welcome to another lecture given by the members of the Southfield clan. This is a school and not a church, and neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh, our Elohim, and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan, operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We were incorporated, excuse me, <clears throat> The Southfield, Michigan class was established in the year 1997. The Dean of the Southfield, Michigan class is Dr. Marvin Lewis, the president, Dr. Edward Yule, and the superintendent, Dr. Jarrell Lewis. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the word or son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and are not named. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and there are God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means that Elohim is the title that our creator chose from himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part in a good dictionary or encyclopedia will prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language had any characters or letters in their alphabet that have produced the sound that is made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1,400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus and Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our Heavenly Father and His Son. Christ is a title, just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit. And in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because the cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you 
that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being, that is, having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine vision and understood in divine revelation. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now, there is only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question we should ask ourselves is, what was the name of the Savior during the time that he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface of the Holy Name Bible. Also at this school, we teach by divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court round about. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and the function of this threefold tabernacle pattern and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. Our primary constitutional Objectives and or aims of the Institute are as follows. First, to help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern practical and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstitions, skepticisms, and ignorance. Sixth, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensation and ages. Seven, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons, operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensation of time. Eight, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known 
that Yahweh from the beginning or day. There is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua, the Messiah. And 10th, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua, the Messiah, with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword, peace, slogan, speak the truth. At this time, we will have a prayer by the Dean, Dr. Marvin Lewis, and scripture lesson, Hebrews, the ninth chapter, read by Dr. Shirley Nelson. Dr. Lewis. Good morning, everyone. Let us all take this moment to bow our hearts and minds and once again give thanks to Yahweh through Yahshua the Messiah that we are allowed again to commune in brotherly love and with the desire to hear the unadulterated truth as Yahweh intended it to be. We thank that Yahweh that he's allowed us to receive this vision of revelation that was given to our founder and dean, Dr. Henry Clifford Tinley. And we trust Yahweh and ask Yahweh to allow us to hold fast to those things which we have heard and that we prove all things and that we hold on to that which is true and we dispel those things that are not proven, unproven, or beyond what has been expressed to us through this vision and revelation. All these things we ask in our brother and savior's name, Yahshua the Messiah, let the assembly respond with a hallelujah. Hallelujah, Dr. Nelson. Good morning. Scripture reading today is Hebrews, the ninth chapter. I'll be reading from the Holy Name Bible, containing the Holy Name version of the Old and New Testaments, critically compared with ancient authorities in various manuscripts and revised by A.B. Trina. Hebrews chapter nine. Then verily the first covenant had also orders of service and a worldly sanctuary. For in the first compartment of the tabernacle were the candlestick, the table and the showbread, which is called the holy place. And beyond the veil, the second compartment of the tabernacle which is called the Holy of Holies. So the meeting coming on today, Coach Felicia is the co-host. Please remain muted. Sorry, continue on, Dr. Lou, uh, Nelson. Fourth verse, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna, and Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of the covenant. And over it the cherubim of glory, shadowing the mercy seat of which we cannot now speak particularly. Now, when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. The Holy Spirit signifying this, that the way into the Holy of Holies was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meal and drink offerings and various washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. 
but the Messiah being a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For at the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean sacrifices for the purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Yahshua, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to the most high, purge your conscience from death causing works to serve the living Elohim. And for this purpose, he is the mediator of the new Testament that by means of death for the redemption of transgressions of the first Testament, those which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a covenant is, there must also of necessity be the death of that which ratifies. For a covenant is made firm over the death of the victim. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all, while that which ratifies is alive. Whereupon neither the first covenant was confirmed without blood. For when Excuse me, for when Moses has spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant which Yahweh have enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled likewise with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For the Messiah is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of Yahweh for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with other blood. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once in the end of the age, have he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment, so the Messiah was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin offering unto salvation. I have read Hebrews chapter 9. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Lewis, for the prayer and Dr. Nelson for the scripture. Before we call on our first speaker, we'd like to remind the Zoom participants to please keep your microphone muted and your video off until the completion of class. We also like to remind the speakers to please acknowledge the five minute slide when you see it. And it's an honor and a pleasure to call on our first speaker. From our Oakland branch, we would like to call on Dr. Carolyn Russell. Dr. Russell. Good morning. 
morning. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Okay. Well, first, it is a surprise. Um, so I need to get into a place where I can see. Um, I wanted to say that um, what I've been, what's been on my mind lately, I've been a lot in, in Deuteronomy and I've been reading um, a lot about where Yahweh and how Yahweh brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. And I think um, I've been reading that because it's after Yahweh brought the children of Israel up out of Egypt and before he took them over into Canaan's land. And when he's admonishing the children of Israel or having Moses admonish the children of Israel, and I'm, I'm not gonna make this long. I just wanna give a brief testimony of what it's been, um, what I've been getting out of that. He admonishes Moses and Moses admonishes the children of Israel about all the things that he did not want Israel to get into. And he talks to Moses about um, all of the blessings which Moses carries on unto the children of Israel. And he gives them all many, many admonishments around um, the kinds of things that would occur unto them if they were to start partaking of the things that the nations were, um, were worshiping. So I'll just pick up some of the scriptures that have stood out to me and there, there are so many, um, but I'll just start with um, uh, Deuteronomy. Um, I will start with um, Deuteronomy 18. And um, nine, 18 and nine, because what, what I see with this is when Yahweh is telling Israel about all the, the beautiful blessings and all that he will do for them, all that he will give them. And it's many, 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 so many blessings that Yahweh is telling Moses and Moses is telling the children of Israel that they will be blessed with, you know, houses that they didn't build, vineyards that they didn't plant, you know, so much. But at the same time, he begins to tell them what will happen and what will occur if they choose not to follow his commandments. And you can pick that up now, 18 and 9. That's Deuteronomy 18 and 9. 
when thou art come into the land which Yahweh thy Elohim giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who offers as a sacrifice his son or daughter, nor a fortune teller, nor anyone who practices magic or is a wizard, nor a caster of spells, nor a consulter of spirits, nor anyone that inquires of the dead. For all that do these things are an abomination unto Yahweh. And because of these abominations, Yahweh thy Elohim doth drive them out from before thee. Thou shalt be sincere with Yahweh thy Elohim. For these nations which thou shalt dispossess, hearken unto observers of times and unto diviners. But as for thee, Yahweh thy Elohim hath not permitted thee so to do. And we go okay. Um, okay, and I'll, I'll stop there for a second. And so, when Yahweh is talking to Israel, and He's talking to them about these nations, what I see, and I've learned so much, uh, appreciate the the Old Testament, uh, the scriptures of the law. I appreciate the fulfillment with the understanding of what Yahweh has, is doing with Israel. Because when he's telling us about what we should not become involved in, and he talks about the world, and I can appreciate I can appreciate how he um, gives us these same admonishments because the world is like unto these nations in terms of Yahweh telling us about how we should not get involved and observe these days and times. And, you know, I know some people say, well, you know, that was the Old Testament. Yes, but, and I don't know where it is right now, but he says, you know, handle not, touch not. I may not be saying it right, but he says to not to get involved with these things. And, you know, there was a time when I, you know, because I live in California, my family lives in Louisiana, and I always, you know, I used to sometimes miss being a part of, um, of my family and you know there's so much that you miss when you live um, a separate a geographically away from your family but then I began to truly understand and appreciate because you know I don't have a lot of people in my family in this teaching some people are blessed with that but I began to appreciate Yahweh separating me because there is a longing sometimes to want to be around family and when they're engaging in all of these days and I'm talking January to December and it's not just Christmas all of these days different kinds of things and I begin to realize that as Yahweh is teaching me 
through the scriptures about what he told Israel about those nations, it is no different than what he's telling us about the world. And I began to see that just about anything that the world is celebrating, I should not be. I don't care what it is. If the world is engaging in it, nine times out of 10, I should not be. Because Yahweh is constantly telling us about observing these times and getting involved with these days and these celebrations. And sometimes it can feel isolating. Sometimes you can feel, well, speak for myself, um, you know, longing, you know, sometimes to want to be a part of, of your family, but truly, truly appreciating why Yahweh has separated his son because he does not want us to become engaged. And many times, a lot of these days and different things that um, we used to celebrate, you know, and some still do, even in this teaching, we did not understand the severity of what it meant. But when Yahweh is showing Israel through Moses about what he will do to them, if they involve themselves and get involved in all of these abominations, it is not good. It is not good at all. And it's not always easy. It is not always easy, but it's always right. Because Yahweh will bless those that keep his commandments, but he will not, he will not hearken unto those that continue to engage in abominations. And he's telling Israel, you know, in Deuteronomy, he's telling them about all the different things that will come upon them. And he gives them, as it says, is it, um, where it says he showed his Moses, he showed his ways unto Moses, unto the acts unto the children of Israel. Because he tells them about those plagues. If you could pick that up in um, Deuteronomy 28 and about 59. See, he they they suffered some plagues in Egypt. They did. But those nine plagues in the tent being the, the Passover was nothing compared to the plagues that they would suffer. And, and then Yahweh told them, he knew through Moses, even before Moses was ready to die, he told them, he knew they would do it. Moses even told them. Yahweh said, not just be, be, when you get over there, even now. So if you could just pick up, you know, maybe around 28 and about 59 when he's speaking to them about what's going to come upon them. Deuteronomy 28 and 59. Then Yahweh will make the, thy plagues wonderful and the plagues of thy seed, even great plagues and of long continuance and sore sicknesses and of long continuance. Moreover, he will bring upon these all the diseases of Egypt, which thou wast afraid of, and they shall cleave unto thee. 
also every sickness and every plague, which is not written in the book of the law. Them will Yahweh bring upon thee until thou be destroyed. And ye shall be less few in number, whereas you were as the stars of heaven for multitude, because thou wouldest not obey the voice of Yahweh by Elohim. And, and I'll just say this, because the promise that was made to Abraham about how he would multiply the seed as the stars of the heaven and the sands of the sea, what is so beautiful about what he's doing is he's telling them and reminding them, right, about those plagues, but informing them about what, what's going to occur with them. See, it wasn't like Yahweh did not know what they would do, but he's admonishing them and he's telling them. And um, these, these, um, these uh, temptations, right, that they're going to have um, when they start at, when they start celebrating and embracing, see, those other nations, gods, and various things. Yahweh tells them how they will start worshiping things of stone and of wood. See, he told them that they would do these things. And then Moses um, is telling them, um, it's about what, around 30 um, before, yeah, around uh, 31 and 14. Um, because Moses, Yahweh has told Moses, right, that he is going to, to die. And then Moses is admonishing the children of Israel. But see, Yahweh always has a plan. He always has a plan and he's always informing of what his plan is. But through Moses, he's telling them exactly what is going to occur. And this is when Moses is, is about to die and is, you know, telling them about Joshua, who's going to uh, bring them over. Um, can you pick that up in about 31 and about um, 14, uh, the, the message that Moses gives to um, Yahweh gives to Moses? To yes, Israel. Mm-hmm. That's Deuteronomy 31 and 14. And Yahweh said unto Moses, Behold, thy days approach that thou must die. Call Joshua and present yourselves in the meeting tent of the congregation, that I may give him a charge. And Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves in the meeting tent of the congregation. And Yahweh appeared in the tent in a pillar of a cloud. And the pillar of the cloud stood over the door of the tent. And Yahweh said unto Moses, Behold, thou shalt sleep with thy, with thy fathers, and his people will rise up and go a whoring after the deities of the strangers of the land, whether they go to be among them and will forsake me and break my covenant, which I have made with them. Then my anger then my anger shall be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them. And I will hide my face from them, and they shall be devoured. And many evil, I'm sorry, and many evils and troubles shall befall them. 
so that they will say in that day, are not these evils come among, upon us because of our Elohim is not among us? And I will surely hide my face in that day for all the evils which they shall have wrought. In that, in that they are turned unto idols. Right. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And then, you know, my, Yahweh, it's, it's somewhere where Yahweh tells them about what they're going to do and how it's already in their heart, even now. Uh, I can't remember where that is, but, you know, he goes on to tell them about how how they will corrupt themselves, right? And how they're going to turn away from him. Now, we understand that they didn't have the Holy Spirit within them to teach them right from wrong, but they had the law written all over everywhere that they could see it. And Yahweh told them they wouldn't have to look for it. It wouldn't be up in heaven. It wouldn't be out in a sea where they got to feel like they got to go find it. It's going to be right before them. So they still had these admonishments from, from Yahweh through Moses. But Yahweh continued to tell them. And then even Moses um, tells them, um, uh, think uh, about 31 and 29, where Moses is telling them, even before he dies, what they're going to do. Uh, Pick it up, maybe uh, 31 and 29. Deuteronomy 31 and 29. For I know that after my death, ye will utterly corrupt yourselves and turn aside from the way which I have commanded you. And evil will befall you in the latter days because ye will do evil in the sight of Yahweh to provoke him to anger through the work of your hands. And Moses spake in the ears of all the congregation of Israel, the words of this song until they were ended. And so I just want to say, I'm not going to take much more time because, you know, this is what's been on my heart and mind. And, you know, when we're called to speak, we're we're, you know, I am just trying to share what Yahweh has been sharing with me. And I just look at how blessed we have been to come into this teaching, to be given the wisdom and the knowledge of the world and of Yahweh and understanding the things that are going on in the world that Yahweh has given us the knowledge so that we're not fearful. We're not um, shaken. But he has also required that we walk in his statutes. And it is not the world. Yahweh said, he does, Joshua said, he doesn't pray for the world. He does not. He don't like the world. He don't, he don't, he just don't. You know, and he doesn't want us to be of the world. And when he brings us into this teaching, we start out with just coming to know his name. Coming to know his name. Coming to know that he didn't forsake us, but that when, when, when Adam, Um, you know, as we say, brought the creation down, that he brought one, Dr. Henry Clifford Kelly, to make us conscious of, not of the world, 
we already were conscious of the world, but he made us conscious of him and that he has a purpose for those who keep his commandments and walk in his statutes. And he's going to continuously show us things in the world, give us challenges, tragedies, and he's going to show us, if you just be obedient to me, then I will deal with your enemies. You don't have to worry about the challenges. If you get COVID, that is what Yahweh has purposed for you to get. No matter what we experience in sickness and in health, our faith is in Yahweh, is in Yahshua. See, Yahshua came through the loins of the Virgin Mary, but he was back there with, with the children of Israel because Moses let them know that he was going to die, but there would be one that would take them on over. And we have Yahshua and that Holy Spirit with us today that's bringing us over. And when it talks about that remnant, I understand why. Because even in the IDMR, it has become a remnant. There is continuously a gleaning. When he said he would gather, and that's what he does. That's what he did with Noah. He gave Noah a vision. And then he gathered those that walked in his statues, which was Moses and his family. And that is what he is doing now. There's always a gathering going on. And that's what he's doing in this time with us. He is gathering together. See, first, um, is it Ephesians 1 and um, 9, I think? Um, is it Ephesians where it says, that he's going to gather together. If you could help me out, scripture reader. Uh, what scripture are you looking for exactly? I think it's Ephesians 1 and 9. Uh, uh, 1 and 9 says, Having made known unto us the mystery oh. of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he has purposed okay. in himself. Okay, that's not it. Okay, I won't worry about it. But he does talk about a gathering together all in one. Because that's what the gathering is now. Him gathering together his son um, that has obeyed his voice and has hearkened to his statutes and his judgments in this time and separated his son from the world. See, we're in the world from a natural standpoint. We go to work. We engage but he is always showing us how we are not of the world. And we should be understanding what that means, that we should not, and I just speak for myself because I'm, I'm learning how Yahweh is showing me, how Yahshua is showing me. Anything the world is doing and engaging in, you should not be. That should be your mark. If you don't understand it, just know if they're engaging in it, and celebrating it, you should not be. Because the world does not know the Holy Spirit. And he says that he doesn't pray for the world. And I just want to thank him. And I thank Yahshua every day for showing me the blessings, for showing me what 
this world is coming to and what it is and those scriptures that talks about the great reward the great reward see we want to know that there is a spiritual kingdom see we want to know that this is not it he says his kingdom is not of this world and it is not so it gives us something to look forward to it gives us something to stand in and the wisdom and the knowledge that he has given us of the scriptures to better understand, see what his purpose is and that he does have a plan, always has and always will. And this world is not it. And with the things that are going on in the world, all the violence, and I work in it every day. That's what I do for a living. But he has shown us as he said, with the days of Noah, and um, actually, if you could pick up uh, Habakkuk, Habakkuk 1 and 1. And we have that other scripture you were looking for as well. It was in Ephesians. Okay. Could you read that for me, please? Sure. It's Ephesians 1 and 10. That in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together in one all things in the Messiah, which both which are in heaven, and which are on earth, even in him. Thank you. Thank you for reading it. Mm -hmm. Um, Rebecca, one and one. Um, See, this vision has not lied. This vision that we have come into. That's Rebecca, one and one. The dome which Habakkuk the prophet did see. O Yahweh, how long shall I cry? And thou wilt not hear, even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Two. Why, go mm-hmm. ahead. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me. And there are that, and and there are that raise up strife and contention. Excuse me. Therefore, the law is slack, and judgment doth never go forth, for the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore, wrong judgment proceedeth. Behold, ye among the nations, regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days which ye will not believe, though it be told you. For Thank long, you. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Uh, was there anything else? Miss? Go ahead. Read the mm-hmm. sixth verse. For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. Mm-hmm. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their and their dignity, excuse me, shall proceed of themselves. And you know, when Rebecca, um, I was picking that up because, you know, it can appear. I was trying to get the. Uh, did you read the vision? Um, maybe I missed that, Rebecca. Um, you know, what's going the on in the second chapter, if you're looking for the vision, 
That's a yeah. Becca two one. Yes, sorry. Yes, thank you. Okay. That's a Becca two and one. I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what shall answer when I am approved. And Yahweh answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain upon tables that everyone may read it fluently. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end, it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Thank you. And you know, the first uh, verse, the first um, chapter was talking about the violence and the things that are going on. And it just appears, you know, that there's not, no one in control, that Yahweh does not control. The world has nothing to look to because they have no understanding. So they look to the government. They look to, uh, you know, public officials and legislators to create laws that and, and do things that are going to curtail the violence, right? And then you have Rebecca, who is just really asking a question, you know, and then that is where Yahweh is talking about the vision, see, that the vision would come and the vision would not lie. And that is what he has always operated. Um, he has always operated by visions, right? The whole Bible is a vision, you know, it's always about a vision, but everybody doesn't understand it. And no matter how long you live, it still doesn't mean that the vision has lied because you haven't seen or come to an understanding of Yahweh's purpose. But Yahweh is showing us through this vision that this vision does not lie, see, and it is speaking. And it's speaking according to Yahweh's purpose. And the more we understand the vision, the more we understand what Yahweh is doing in this creation uh, with all of the, uh, you know, uh, illness and diseases and what have you that have come upon the people. And it doesn't mean that, you know, uh, someone in the IDMR or because you believe in Yahshua or Yahweh that you're not going to get, you know, COVID or that you're not going to suffer tragedies, or you're not going to experience death, or you're not going to experience a, a lot of things. It doesn't mean that, but it means that the vision speaks, the vision does not lie, and Yahweh has a great reward for those who continue to look to him and to appreciate Yahshua and to understand that he has not gone anywhere and that he's preaching to us every day through these vessels. And the blessing is that we have been able to hang in here and continue to be able to hear because there are some that have been turned away. And as I said, he's continuously doing the gleaning and a gathering. Even now, in the last 10 to 20 years, there's been a gleaning, even within the IDMR and a separation, and he's constantly doing that because he's gonna gather together in one. See, only his, see, only those. And I now truly understand even more why he talks about it's a remnant. It's a remnant. His purpose isn't hard, it's not. But yet you still see a remnant 
that can continue to keep his commandments and walk in his statutes and have his nature, even in this IDMR. So we have an opportunity. See, we have a great reward through Yahshua, a great reward. And I just wanted to give a little testimony. I wasn't prepared, um, just wasn't prepared. But I just wanted to say some of the things that have been on my heart and mind, because the more I understand what Yahweh is doing and how Yahshua is working his purpose through us, the more conscious I am, see, of what's in me, because I am always conscious, see, of that power within me. And it's not of me. It is truly Yahshua of the Holy Spirit in operation. And I'm just so grateful and so thankful for the brethren and thankful that Yahweh gave this beautiful creation. And through Yahshua and only through his name and his, his holy name will we be, will be saved. And I just want to thank you for giving me the opportunity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Russell. We appreciate your testimony. And it's an honor and a pleasure to call on our second speaker from the Southfield, Michigan branch, Dr. Barbara Brazil. Dr. Brazil. Can everyone hear me? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Um, this is a surprise. I'm really happy to be here. I really am. And uh, I'm always happy to be here. Um, I wake up happy to be alive. You know, it's like the previous speaker was saying, there's so much that is going on right now in the world. And only Yahshua can keep us with a level head and open heart and the faith that we need to endure this that we have to go through. It's um, it's really something, you know, it really is. And it's a blessing. We have what he's just been showing me all these weeks and months and just, you know, all the time that I'm in class, you know, you should be in class every day in your heart and mind. But all the time that you're in class and sitting in front of the Zoom classes or in a literal class or whatever, you know, just to recognize that, <coughs> that it's Yahshua the Messiah that is carrying us through. It's Yahshua Messiah that is sitting us down here at these classes, that's listening, you know, that's hearing, that's seeing, it's Yahshua, it's not us. You know, it's Yahshua that's doing this. And so you see, he's already foreordained, like the previous speaker was said, it's only gonna be a remnant, you see, that was saved, that will be saved. He already foreordained who that remnant would be. He knew it was gonna be this way. He set it up this way. It's not like this is happenstance and, you know, he's just going along day by day deciding to do this and that, whatever. It's not like that. You know, this is the gospel. Yahshua is spirit. It's only one savior. These are main real things. This is nothing that we're making up. It's nothing we're making up. It's not of a man's imagination. It's not our thoughts. It's Yahshua. Yahshua is running this show. And it's like, and the sooner we get to realize it's only him 
that's doing it, then we can get ourselves out of the way. We say and hear his voice and see what he's trying to show us. See that we are truly a son, that he's selected us, you see, to be a son. You know, it's just a round trip, people. He's got, that's why everything is getting worse and worse, you know. Uh, someone get over there for me. Oh, gosh, I, I don't know where it says, uh, in Adam all died. You know, so just pick that up right quick. Because in Adam all died to Yahshua, the Messiah. So he's the resurrection. You see what I'm saying? So do you have that scripture? In Adam all died. Yes, that's 1 uh, Corinthians 15. Mm -hmm. And that's 1 Corinthians 15 and 22. Okay. I'll start at 21. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. Mm -hmm. For as in Adam all died, even so in the Messiah shall all be made alive. Now see, even so in the Messiah shall all be made alive. Now see, we are made alive in Yahshua the Messiah. You know, he caused it. He caused Adam to die. See, these are all principles. He caused him to uh, be disobedient. So he caused Eve to, you know, eat of that fruit that he told her, eat of that tree that he told her not to eat of. See, he caused all those things to happen. You see, and it's like, when, you know, it wasn't like she just decided to do this and Adam just, well, you know, I mean, yeah, Adam did say, well, you know, I mean, for, for that matter, you know, I mean, he just willingly died for her. You see what I'm saying? Because she had commandment too when it was, when he told it to Adam, you know, because she was in Adam. But see, it's like all these things, my point is all these things that are happening in the stories that we, we read, the Bible stories, the sweet and the, you know, before we came to the gospel, we thought they were just Bible stories and had no main real validity or meaning. You see what I'm saying? It's just reinterpreted however we want to interpret it. But no, it's not that way. All these Bible stories, you know, all of these uh uh, the uh, Adam and Eve and Noah and the ark and Abraham and his son and the, the children of Israel, all these stories, they were purposed to be that way and to point out Yahshua the Messiah. They're not pointing out, no, that's the whole point of the story. You know, like you said, like we say, well, what's the plot? You know, we see a movie, what's the, what's the point? What's the plot of this? If the plot sucks, the movie sucks. You see what I'm saying? It's like, we'd be looking for, well, what, it's got to have a good plot, you know, to make the sales and to engage people to, to, to understand, you know, what, you, you know what I'm saying? You like to, you like to watch a movie where you get something out of it. You say, wow, that was really, oh man, you know, we can watch some movies that, you know, you, you would swear up and down that they don't, people don't put it together that been to class, <laughs> you know, and things like that for the things that Yahweh has shown up at us, they would never know. You see what I'm saying? Uh, these are things that are revealed. You know, these are not our imaginations. But good for me over there. That's what he's just had on my mind, just different things that he's been showing us and things that he's doing. This Yahshua the Messiah that's doing all these things. That's, that's my point. He's the one that's carrying us through through this trek that we're going through. Um, we do definitely have an advocate, people. Get from me over there and um, about faith. Uh, get over there. Um, gosh. Okay, get over there first in 1 Corinthians 12, around there where it talks about um, that we're all immersed in one spirit. I'm trying to pick it up where how we all have to preach the same thing. We're all preach, you know, we all have, we all are immersed by the one spirit of Yahshua Messiah. It's, I know it's a scripture over there. Is it? Is it first? Uh, try um, um, first, first Corinthians 12 and 12 might work for oh, you. Okay. 
First Corinthians. If you, if you see something else, uh, April, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, I'll read that. First Corinthians 12 and 12. Mm-hmm. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, mm-hmm. are one body. Mm-hmm. So also is the Messiah. For by one spirit are we all immersed into one body. That's the, that's the part I wanted. Because we are immersed by one spirit, see? And that's the spirit of Yahshua the Messiah. We are immersed in one body. You see, we're all speaking the same thing. It can't be another spirit. And you know that if it, you know what I'm saying, someone is, or something is speaking not what Yahshua the Messiah says, you know, like to the law, to the testimony, you know, that they're of another spirit. You see what I'm saying? There's only one way we can be saved, and that's through Yahshua the Messiah. But we all have to be on the same page, so to speak. I remember, I don't know where, I don't, I think it was Dorian, I'm not sure, Dorian, Dr. Dorian Lewis, at, I don't know if it was a month ago, but it always stuck with me, you know, when uh, he was on the floor, you know, and um, when he, I guess, I think it was him, if, if not Dorian, forgive me, but where he says, uh, your way of thinking has to change. And uh, we had, you know, uh, like before, like in other words, we our, our way of thinking has to change because I think he's talking about pagan gods and things like that. You know, <clears throat> don't remember the whole thing, but I thought that was so important, you know, because our way, and I know it may sound simple, but just our way of thinking, and that's about everything. It has to change. In other words, this gospel, you're sitting under this gospel of Yahshua Messiah. You cannot just sit in class and nothing happened to you. You know, you can't just sit here and nothing takes on shape and form. You can't just sit here and you don't change. Your heart and mind isn't changed from the things that Yahshua was showing you through his death, burial, and resurrection, blood, water, spirit. You see, you can't just, that, that's almost impossible. You can't just, you know, because the Yahshua the Messiah, he, you have to take on that spirit of Yahshua the Messiah. So you have to take on that understanding that he be this giving you the understanding. You see, so it's like, uh, and then it was a that's just stuck with me. You do have to your mind, your thoughts have to change. You can't be the same person as you were before you came into this gospel. You know, there's got to be a change that you can see and feel and know for a surety. Yes, yeah, yeah, I used to do this, but I don't do this anymore. Yeah, I used to go to church, but I don't go to church anymore. I used to call him Lord God and Jesus Christ, but I know now that that's not his name. You know, I used to think that I was in control of this and that and the other, but I know now that I'm not. You see, I know that Yahweh already purposed everything to be as it is. You know, like the previous speaker was saying, even about COVID or any old, anything, any, anything that you want to think about, that you thought you had some control over, you don't. You see, so it's like it takes so much weight off of you people. It takes just, the, just that weight, that burden, just off of you of thinking, you know, because if you're thinking something you got to do, and if it don't happen the way you thought it or wanted it to happen, you're going to be depressed. Or whatever, you know, you, you you know, so it's not, it's not, Yahweh has lifted our burdens by giving us this true gospel and understanding, you know, of him. You know, give for me Isaiah 28, 9, 10. First, give me to the law and to the prophets. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. That's and, Isaiah 8 and 20. To the law and to the testimony. Mm-hmm. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, just read a little more. Of the same scripture? Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry about that. 
There is no light in them. There is no light being synonymous to understanding in them. Mm -hmm. But if you don't speak according to the law and to the testimony, I'm sorry, Lord, go ahead. And they shall pass through it, Mm -hmm. hardly bestead and hungry. And it shall come to pass, and when they shall be hungry, mm-hmm. they shall fret themselves and curse their king and their Elohim and mm-hmm. look upward. And they shall look unto the earth and behold trouble and darkness, mm-hmm. dimness of anguish, and they shall be driven to darkness. Now, see, why is that? Driven to darkness. Why is that? You're not preaching, it says, if they don't preach according to the law of the prophet, it's because there's no light in them. And then it says, and they shall be driven to darkness. You see, because there's no light in them. You see, no Yahshua in them. You know, they have, they don't, it's, they, they don't have a resurrected, no resurrection in their heart and mind and all. That's why you see people that commit suicide and they don't have no hope. See, things like that. It's, it's nothing. They don't have anything to hold on to. They don't have an advocate. They don't, they don't believe that something can save them. You see, but so only Yahshua is our savior. We got to recognize that people. He is our savior. He would take us. He will, he will save us from anything. That's what his purpose to do. He will save us from anything. He is the resurrection. He's our savior. That's what he came in to do, save. You see, he wouldn't have got on that cross. He saved us. He, he died like an outcast dog on that cross to save us from our sin. You know, he, he, he used uh, uh, innocent sacrifices way back up under the law, you know, for those innocent sacrifices and lambs to be killed and to die, you know, in place of, the people, the children of Israel dying themselves. He was saving them. He's always saved us. You know, we just didn't know it. We didn't know what to look for. But see, now this gospel has given us a way. He's showing us the way to the law, to the testimony. If they don't preach according to this word, it's because there's no light or understanding in them. What was that other scripture? I think I had another scripture. Um, I think you call it... Um... Hebrews 11, about faith. Okay. And uh, Isaiah 28. Okay, get Hebrews first, and then get Isaiah. That's Hebrews 11 and 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Mm -hmm. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the ages were ordained by the word of Elohim. Mm-hmm. I just got finished saying that in so many words. That's what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. You know, see, by faith, you know, the, the worlds were ordained, ordained by Elohim. He set up everything. We only understand this through faith. Go ahead. So that things which were not in evidence are now seen coming to pass. Mm-hmm. By faith, Abel offered unto Yahweh a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Mm-hmm by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Mm-hmm. Yahweh testifying of his gifts and by it, he being dead yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that mm-hmm. he should not see death mm-hmm. and was not found because Yahweh had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony mm-hmm. that he pleased Yahweh. Yes. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Okay, so without faith, people, it's impossible to please Yahweh. Mm-hmm. So how do we get this faith? See, how do we get this faith? Um, what's that scripture? Well, you know what I'm talking about. 
You're speaking about faith? Yeah. How do we get this that faith? Get over there. I think it's the first first Corinthians 15. I didn't really have anything on my heart and mind, like I say, but I do have a testimony of where Joshua has brought me. You know, and each and every one of us, I'm sure, have a testimony from where we came from. We're not the same people that we were before we started before Yahshua has enlightened us and brought us into this gospel and given us an understanding. We're not the same. We should not be the same. I don't want to be the same. You want that change to take place. Do you have that? First uh, Corinthians 15 and 1. Mm -hmm. um, it's about the gospel. So, um, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I've preached unto you, mm -hmm. which also you have received and wherein you stand by which also you are saved if you keep in memory what I've preached unto you, mm -hmm. unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I've also received, mm how -hmm. that the Messiah died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, mm -hmm. and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Now how that Yahshua died according to the scriptures, and that he rose again, According to the scripture, he was buried and rose again three days later, according to the scriptures. See, and everything, the, the entire book, you know, points to Yahshua Messiah, his death, burial, and resurrection. That's what it points to, because that's all it's talking about is Yahshua. It's not talking about us or anything else. Now, like I said, you know, over in, um, I'll just take a few of these plates. Over in the Adamic plate, um, where Eve partook of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, okay, and so she took of that tree of not knowledge of good and evil when she was told not to do that, and she said, Yahshua said, in the day that you eat thereof, you shall die, okay, so that's that death principle there, and that she ate thereof, and they, they died in their conscience. You see, they were still standing there, but they were dead in their conscience. They were dead to the spirit and their eyes was open to the flesh. You know, when you think about these things, people, it's really something, this is not a simple thing. This is not, I mean, it's simple the way Yahweh set it up for us to understand it, but it's not just, it's not something that the world can just readily grasp to, grasp onto. It takes a divine vision and revelation in order to understand these things. And they were buried in their condemnation. So that was the death, okay, in that first place. Then they were buried in the condemnation. And that's why he's got his hands over his face. And, and the uh, uh, angel drove him out of the garden so that he would not come back. So if you can't come back at any time. You see, it's a round trip we're making to see Yahshua's got to bring you back. You know, just like he knocked you out. You see, so that's the death, then the burial. And then like that resurrection, you see, the, the, the resurrection, it's like our only, their only hope of resurrecting, of resurrecting was the seed of Yahshua Messiah, because he was going to be born of a woman through childbearing. And that's their only hope of being saved. You see, it was through Yahshua the Messiah, that seed that in Eve, you know, because all, all mankind came from Eve, you know, Adam and Eve through the loins. And so Yahweh, see, he had purposed that. That's why he purposed to come through a virgin. You see what I'm saying? Uh, so-called Virgin Mary, or purpose that, 
You see, that was his seed. He came in. That, that, that was how they were going to be saved, the world. I mean, you know, those that he had set aside to be saved, like it says over there in John. You know, like I've I, I set aside, I've got how you said, I've, I've done what you purpose and what you asked me to do. I've given the gospel. I've shared it with them, with those that you set aside already. So, you know, you know the scripture. He had already did that. You see, he's just fulfilling everything that he set up, just fulfilling it all. It's just so pretty. Yeshua is just so amazing. It's just, it's just unbelievable. You can't just get this on your own. I guess that's what I'm, that's my whole point. That's what I'm trying to say. It's like, you can't understand this thing on your own. It's a divine vision and revelation, and it's a revealed thing. Only Yahshua can reveal it to you. So that's the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the um, uh, transgression plate. Now, Noah. Now, Noah was told that it was to build an ark because it was going to rain. He had to warn the wicked and tell them it was going to rain 40 days, 40 nights. If you're not in this ark, you're going to die. You see what I'm saying? So he, you know, that was the, you know, it rained. He had a vision that Yahweh gave him that it was going to rain. People didn't believe him. You know, and so they walked around, they laughed at him, they whatever. You know, they didn't believe him. Rain come from the sky, it never has. Noah, you're crazy. No. You see, that's what Yahweh showed him in a vision. He believed that. He had faith in that. That what he said was true. That what Yahweh said was true. And so he warned the wicked. And the blood, he put the blood on their head. So that blood was synonymous to a death. That was the death. It rained. Okay? And that, uh, and that, um, uh, that ark was buried. All mankind was buried. You know, the was buried. Yeah, that's the burial. They were buried. All of them died. They didn't believe. And then, they, and then he resurrected that ark. Excuse me. Resurrected eight souls. It was only eight souls that got in that ark and his and Noah, Noah and his family that were not destroyed by that flood. You see, they were in that ark and Yahshua closed that door. You see, and it rained 40 days and 40 nights. You know, just like he said. And those eight souls were carried over, you know, to the, the um, well, not really, for lack of a better word, I'm going to say new world, not actually new world, but I guess so. I guess so that is so, new age. You know, they were carried over, you know, and then to repopulate the earth was two of every animals, everything that Yahweh created. All this was designed. It was by divine design, if you will. It was by design. Yahweh set this up. So that's the death, that's the burial, that's the resurrection in the Noahic plate. And then on the Abraham plate over here, we have Abraham who was uh, promised a son in his uh, old age. And, you know, that, that there alone was, you know, because his wife was, what, 99 or 100 or some, somewhere around there. And uh, she was past childbearing. But he promised his son, Abraham had faith. He had faith in his heart and mind that he would have a son. That's what he always wanted, because the promise was going to be made through Abraham's son. You see, so Abraham, he had a son that was that was Isaac. And so on Abraham, then he tells Abraham, Do you, ha you have to sacrifice your son. After he promised the son, gave him a son, son grew up, it wasn't a little boy, he had to sacrifice his son. But you have to, you know, now you have to kill your son, Abraham. Thus said Yahweh. You have to kill your son. Abraham didn't waver. 
See, because first of all, you know, his his wife, he he resurrected her womb, you know, you know, enabled where she could have a child. That was a dead womb. She was barren. So that there, that there alone, that was showing forth life after death. You see, it was a dead womb. And so then she he brought it to life for him to have, for her to have Isaac. You see, so he he didn't have no problem in thinking like, well, I know that, you know, that you will resurrect him. See, he believed in the resurrection. He had faith. You see, that Yahshua's gonna, that Yahshua was gonna save him, save his son. He just had faith. That's why he told those other men that was with him, like, you know, stay here, we'll be back. He had faith. You know, so just as he got ready to slay his son, there was another, there was a ram that was thought caught in the thickets, that another sacrifice, the sacrificial animal that went in his stead, in his son's stead. But in his heart and mind, he had Isaac dead, buried, and resurrected in his heart and mind. He was already dead, buried, and resurrected. I see the five minutes. And then we've got the migratory pattern. This is the big one. This is the migratory pattern that the children of Israel were in bondage in Egypt for many years. And so Yahshua, you know, he used Moses to send them down there and tell them that he will, you know, bring them out of the land of Egypt. But in any way, he showed Moses, he told Moses what to tell them to do. They had to kill a lamb. So the lamb, they had to kill that lamb and put, put the blood of that lamb on the inside of the doorpost. The top, the two side posts and the bottom of the uh, inside of the doorpost. And they had to be ready the next day, early in the morning, to resurrect out of Egypt. And so that lamb that they had to kill, that was a type of a shadow of Yahshua the Messiah, who was the true lamb. And that was, you know, Yahshua's Passover. Yahshua was the true lamb. Everything points to Yahshua Messiah. The blood of that uh, lamb was the blood of Yahshua. That was the only blood, you know, that could, for the remission of, of sin. There's no other blood that was worthy. He's the lamb of Yahweh. Because Joshua is our Passover. He's our true Passover. So all of these were types and shadows back here, but I'm just trying to show you how they all pointed to the principles, pointed to the death, burial, resurrection of Joshua the Messiah. So you see, after they put the blood on the uh, inside of the doorpost, and that's the only way that death angel passed over them, they had to resurrect early in the morning, out going through into, through the Red Sea. Didn't get wet. They were buried through that uh, Red Sea. Waters heaped up over them in like a, a tunnel effect, effect, and they had to go through that. So Israel was like baptized or buried in the cloud and in the sea. Egyptians were buried too, and they died by the water that they loved so much. They were baptized and they were buried and they died in that water. And the children of Israel resurrected out in the wilderness of Sinai. There was a death and a burial and a resurrection. Everything points to Yahshua Messiah. He is our true resurrection. He is our only resurrection. 
He's the lamb of Yahweh, people. He is the lamb of this world. And he's got that lamb that, that the children of Israel had to eat in the, uh, down here. You know, they had to have, they had to eat all of it. And what they didn't eat, they had to burn. But see, they had to eat it all. You see, like we have to eat it all. We have to eat of the lamb of Yahweh, which is this gospel. The death, the burial, the resurrection, the blood, the water, spirit. And I don't have time to go through all of it right now. I just wanted to give a little testimony. And I just want to say I'm so happy. I'm Yeah, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy every day to wake up and to be here. There's no other place to be. Yes, I want to understand this but more and more. I pray for that. Because Yahshua is my only hope. And it's got to be your only hope. I have something to look forward to. I don't feel desolate, lost, you know, or anything like that. Like the world, they're out here going nuts. They don't know what's going on. We do. And I'm so grateful for his mercy. So I just want to say, hang in there, everybody, and hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Brazil, for that beautiful testimony. And for our next speaker, it's an honor and pleasure to call on from our Southfield, Michigan branch, Dr. Shirley Nelson. Dr. Nelson. Good afternoon, everyone. I uh, Can everyone hear me okay? Yes, good afternoon. Oh. All righty. Uh, I really did enjoy the previous speakers. The words that they had to say, those were not words that they just came up on their own, but they truly are as a result of Yahshua the Messiah revealing himself to them and giving them an understanding. And I too am so happy to just have anything to say. I'm so grateful for Yahweh through his son, Yahshua the Messiah and his mercy, this unwavering mercy that he has extended and given to all of us. The gospel was such a beautiful thing. This is such a powerful powerful tool that Yahshua has allowed us to even understand and to have in this day and in this time. And I'm so grateful for that. I was looking at um, where it read scripture reading. I don't have anything new to say. Just want to just share some of the stuff that Yahweh has revealed to me. The, pre the first speaker was speaking of, and I enjoyed both speakers very much, uh, but she was speaking of uh, how that Yahweh back in Deuteronomy had talked and spoke many times to the children of Israel and admonished them as to how they were to be. And he also said that he knew what they would do. See, Yahweh was never ever in any darkness or clueless about what uh, his creation was doing. So he said that they will corrupt themselves because he had set them up to already be that, even though he had, or to do that. He had given them a law, but that law was only on the outside of them. And that law, they, um, they couldn't keep. As a matter of fact, I want you to um, go over and just get me the scripture where it talks about, I think it's over in Hebrews, if I'm not mistaken, uh, possibly the ninth chapter over there. And uh, if you can just start, first of all, with the um, nine and say like maybe the eight. 
or you can actually start at one. Just go, just go on and start over there on one. That's Hebrews 9 and 1. <clears throat> then verily, the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made, the first, wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all. Now we know that he's describing back here the tabernacle pattern, which Dr. Henry C. Kenley, when he had this divine vision, Yahweh also revealed to him of that tabernacle and showed Moses that in the, in the mount. Now we know that Dr. Kenley had the same vision that Moses had. As a matter of fact, the vision that uh, Dr. Kenley had, he said that his vision compassed or encompassed Moses's and John, who had the vision out there on the Isle of Patmos. In other words, Moses didn't, Dr. Kenley didn't come out, come up saying something different, but he did say that it was a panoramic vision where he saw the entire thing. He said it opened up like a Japanese fan. Now, Moses, we know that he had a vision of the creator from the uh, creation, that is, from the beginning to the end. John had his vision where Yahweh declared to him the end right from the beginning. And so both Moses and John's vision, they were confirming each other. Dr. Kinley's vision encompassed all of that. You see what I'm saying? And so he was able to see, see also what Moses back there with that tabernacle that had been given to Moses. Now, prior to me coming into the school, and many of us have also testified, prior to coming into the school, we never even heard about a tabernacle. The closest I heard about a tabernacle was maybe Tabernacle Baptist down on the corner, the name of a church or something. But then no one ever told me anything about a tabernacle that Yahweh gave man, see, uh, gave him a vision of in the mountain. And so since I said that, now just going over there to Exodus, hold where you're at. But go over there to Exodus where he's telling Moses, he's showing Moses a vision up there and tell him, let them make me a sanctuary. I just want to pick up that because this is a, these are the things that were brought out when many of us first came into class. The things that we didn't know about a tabernacle in the Bible. Go over and read that please in Exodus, please. Exodus 25 and 8. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I showed thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make it. Thank you. So I just wanted to bring that out that Moses had a vision of the tabernacle while he was in the mountain, see, and that he was told how to come back. And I, I guess you need to, excuse me, you need to pick up the, what is it? The 40th verse? Yes. Okay. 40 a verse. And look that thou make them after their pattern, which was showed thee in the mount. Now you see that? Now that was news to me and for most of us, I'm sure. But he was given a pattern and that's what over here in Hebrews is speaking about. See that particular pattern, which if you can go back over to the um, tabernacle pattern, if you will, which that pattern had a most holy place, a holy place, or that tabernacle, a most holy place, a holy place, and a court round about. So over here in Hebrews, when he's talking about that first compartment, you see what I'm saying? That's what he's speaking of. 
See, so now go ahead, finish reading in Hebrews. I think you were at um, the, uh, the third okay. verse, I think. Okay. Third verse, and after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, mm -hmm. which, had, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlay mm -hmm. round about with gold, mm -hmm. wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded in the tables right. of the covenant. Right. Thank you. Now he's talking about that most holy place over there. And in the book here, he's talking about that uh, second compartment, if you will. See, but that's the most holy place that he's speaking of, the golden censer and so forth, the pot that is, I'm sorry, the manna and Aaron's rod that budded. All right. And then he goes on, finish reading. Mm -hmm. And over it, the cherubim of glory, shadowing mm -hmm. the mercy seat, mm -hmm. of which we cannot speak particularly. Now, see, he's talking about those two archangels, cherubims yeah. of glory, which was overshadowing the mercy seat. See, Yahweh sat on that mercy seat, if you will, or he dwelt between the clouds, see, upon that mercy seat, if you will, or dwelt between the cherubims. Those cherubims was representing the two archangels, Michael and Gabriel. Mm -hmm. And I might mention, because when you're looking at that and you see the eye, and it's as if maybe that maybe Michael and Gabriel or those two archangels were facing each other as if they're looking at each other, but they're not. They're looking at Yahweh in that cloud. You see right. what I'm saying? They're not looking at each other because this isn't about us even looking at each other. I mean, that's what that makes me think of. What we want to see is Yahweh. See, that's where. Now, and it also talks about how the, that law was placed there in that cubicle there, see, of that Ark of the Covenant, see. And that law, and that's where Moses' rod, the budget, was put inside that, in that, um, in that, I'm, I'm losing the word for what it is. See, that, that cubicle, if you will, is where it was put at. And now the fifth verse, please, again. Mm -hmm. And over it, the cherubims of glory, shadowing the mercy seat of which we cannot now speak particularly. And see, we couldn't speak on that. You see what I'm saying? And because no one knew anything about that. See, and then besides, the high priest was the only one that would go up into that second compartment, if you will, or that most holy place. Once a year on the day of atonement, see, he would go in there to make sacrifices for himself, the tabernacle, and for the people. You see what I'm right. saying? And he went up there into that tabernacle, see, or that most holy place was likened until him going up into the presence of Yahweh. And he mm -hmm. went up there not without blood because it had to be some sacrifices that took place. In other words, those, if you go back down here to this court roundabout, see, where that's where the sacrifices were done. Mm -hmm. And when you had an altar down here, it was called an altar of sin sacrifice. And those children of Israel, see, a whole time that they wandered around in the wilderness of Sinai, they had to bring an offering a sacrificial offering for all the sins that they committed while they were around or wandering around in that wilderness. When Yahweh has set it up, you sin because he gave them a law. Previous speaker was talking about. See, they had many laws under them. You read over there in Deuteronomy, I think I was saying the last time I was called on, I, Yahweh has had me listening to the Bible and I'm back there in the law portion. You know, just now ready to get into, I think I'm still in the law, if I'm not mistaken, because 
you know, taking the time, can't, sometimes you can't do it and so forth. So, but I try to pick it up from where I left it off. And they had, they were under a harsh bondage back there. They were under strict law, strict command, strict rule. You see what I'm saying? You couldn't even, we think we got a bad, you couldn't even come into no, no, no thought process that would take you to the kind of bondage, if you would, that they were under. And I'm talking about as far as being committed to that law. And that's what I want to get over here into Hebrews again. See, because they were, every time they sinned back there, Yahweh gave them the law, do not this, do not that. If you do this, then bring this sacrifice. If you do that, then bring that sacrifice. You see what I'm saying? It was blood, blood and killing back there of those sacrifices, you see? Because that was the only way that they were to be exonerated, if you will, from their sin. But that continuing sacrifice back there was always a remembrance of sin to them. It did nothing for their conscience. That's why they were continually and consistently sinning or committing uh, fault to the point that they had to bring a sacrifice. Even if they were ignorant of the law, they had a sin sacrifice or sacrifice for ignorance, see? A sacrifice if they doubted, see? I mean, it was a sacrifice for everything but they had to offer up blood. So that now once a year, this high priest, who was the high priest, see, officiating in this tabernacle, once a year, he'll go up into that most holy place, which was likened into going up, as I said, in the presence of Yahweh himself. And he will circle that uh, Ark of the Covenant up there, see, and that he will sprinkle blood, I believe seven times up there, see, for the sins of himself and the sins of the sacrifice and people or the tabernacle and the people see is what he would do. And then once a year on the day of atonement, that's what he would do. And if Yahweh forgave their sins, which I believe he always did, but when he forgave, he were to forgive their sins, then that they will see a vision, which was likened unto a light see, or the Shekinah or Shekinah, See, that will flash up there. That was showing forth that Yahweh acknowledged or received and accepted the sacrifice. See, and that their sins then were absolved, if you will, or forgiven for another year. Do you understand? See, in other words, so they had to do this in order. It was a continuous and a consistent operation. So now go back over to uh, Hebrews and finish reading, please. Okay, that's the sixth verse. Now, when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of Yahweh. But into the second went the high priest alone, once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. The Holy Spirit, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while as the first tabernacle was yet standing. Now stop. Now it's ready to go on and complete and finish that. But now the way into that was not made known. Now the thing that's so pretty, and I'm going to have you jump all the way over. If you can to win the Messiah, and I'm letting the bag out of the, or the cat out of the bag early. So when the Messiah come in, can you find the scripture 
where he says when he hung out there onto the cross, I believe it is, and the temple, the um, veil of the temple was written twain. See, if you can just read that, just pick that up and then I'm gonna try to tie it together. Do you know where that's at? It's over in, oh, let me see. Um, uh, try Matthew 27 and yeah. 51. Uh, it's a couple of Mark 15, 38. Try Matthew 27, 51. April. Okay. Okay, that's what I have. Matthew 27 and 51. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent. Was rent in Can time. you pick it up, please, reader? Yes. Um, let me go to Matthew 27 and 48. I'm sorry, 47. And some of them that stood there when they heard that said, this man calleth for Elias. Now and he's on the cross at this time. We're talking about Yahshua the Messiah. Read. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Um, no, that's well, fine. You can continue. Was. Okay, yes. Matthew 27, 47. Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, this man calleth for Elias. And straightway, one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on the reed, put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, let, let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Yahshua, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the mm -hmm. earth did quake and the rocks rent. Right. Now you see that? Now, so there was a veil that separated, as you can see here on the chart, see the holy place from the most holy place. Mm -hmm. But when the Messiah died on the cross, see, and if you had, if she had picked it up further, it was saying, maybe she did say that, where he said, it is finished. Why? Because the Messiah is coming in, fulfilling everything that was written in the law and in the prophets that concerned him because the whole law and the prophet or the whole book concerned or the scriptures concerned Yahshua the Messiah. So that high priest that's going up in there into that most holy place every year, once a year, without, not without sin, not without blood, see, right. making the atonement or the sacrifice for the children. That's just a type of Yahshua the Messiah. But before the, the type of the Messiah coming in being the true high priest, that's what I want to get to. Look, there was a tabernacle back here, and we know that our physical body is also a tabernacle or likened to a tabernacle. And as there was a high priest or a priest that officiated in that physical tabernacle back there under the law, that's just showing forth how the true priest being Yahshua Messiah in you is going to officiate in your tabernacle, see? Atoning, if you will, see? Look, Yahweh's taking care of everything, see? He's that true high priest. And you would have that red, go back to, um, my, I hope I'm not jumping around too much, but go back to Hebrews again, the mm -hmm. eighth verse, if you will, under chapter yeah. nine. Eighth verse. The Holy Spirit, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while as the first tabernacle was yet standing. Why? Which, which was a figure for the time then present mm -hmm. and which 
in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. Do you see that? So all mm. of the sacrifices that they're bringing to the priests back there to atone for their many, many multiplicity of sin, it right. could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to his conscience. Mm -hmm. It did nothing for the conscience. So all of the sacrificing, all of this the, that they did back there, See, just kept them in remembrance of their sin. And it goes on to say that, I think, in the 10th chapter of Hebrews. But go ahead and finish reading where you're here. Mm -hmm. Which stood only in meats and drinks and diverse washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. Now, it said imposed on them. Do mm -hmm. you know what an imposition is? I mean, mm -hmm. see, that's, that's contrary to you. I mean, that's the inconvenience. See, that's laborious. That's like somebody all up in your face. See, it's just an imposition. Until when? It's imposed, it said on them, until the time of reformation or the time of change. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? See, in other words, something had to happen that there will be a change in the people. Did someone say something? No. Okay, go ahead. Read, please. 11th verse. But the Messiah, being come a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, mm. he entered in once into the holy place. Now, is it beginning to, I'm sorry, reader, mm -hmm. but is it beginning? I'll say it for myself. It started, it began to make sense. You see, let's understanding and being presented to this teaching, this true gospel of the kingdom, this book began to make sense. Mm -hmm. What the Messiah did began to make sense because it's now going on to say, see, see, that the Messiah who was being the high priest of good things to come by a greater or more tabernacle, see, not talking about that physical one out there, but by himself, you see what I'm saying? Not made with hands, not of a building. Mm. Go ahead, read the 12th verse. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. So when he, you see, was sacrificed out there, that was like him now going into, if you will, the most holy place, because he does ascend to the father, with the atonement, having made the atonement for us. You see what I'm saying? Now that particular one, whereas back under the law, it had to be done repeatedly over and over and over again, because it could not make them perfect under this law. And we were listening, I was listening to someone the other day at one of the schools and they were just talking about how that they back there under the law, they wrote that law. Remember Moses went up into the mountain and was given the law and not that law didn't just have 10 commandments. Like, you know, we kind of focus on the 10 commandments. It was 603 or 613 actually in all, you know, laws and ordinances. And they had to follow that. Like I said, if they broke one part of that law, see, they had to then bring a sacrifice for that. 
or they were also would be killed for it. You see what I'm saying? So this thing was real back here. And it just made me, I was talking to uh, Dr. Brazil one day and it, she made the statement and said, just make you so, it, it just resonated with me, makes you so appreciative of what the Messiah did. Because see, if he did not, if he had not done that for you, and then look how he did it. See, it was by himself or by his own blood, his own sacrifice, see, that he entered into, or he made that atonement for us. You see that? See, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I am so grateful for our Heavenly Father. I'm so grateful for what he's done. Now go ahead, finish reading. I want to just get finished with this for a second. Thirteenth mm -hmm. verse. Excuse me. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean, sanctified to the peering of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of the Messiah, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to Yahweh, mm. purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living Elohim? Now and you see this that. Call, now listen. Now look how clear. How much clearer? If the blood of bulls and goats and the half ashes of a heifer, see, if all of that was sanctified, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh. In other words, when they brought that sacrifice, then they were, okay, forgiven for that sin. It was an atonement for that sin that they had committed. So if that did that, then now he's saying over here, how much more shall the blood of the Messiah? Right. Who through the eternal spirit, see, offered himself without any blemish. See, you see what I'm saying? To the most high. How much more will that purge your conscience? Because under the law, the conscience wasn't purged. The conscience wasn't cleaned up. The previous mm. speaker said that in Adam, we all die. See, when you go back into Adam and you go into the scripture or Genesis there, and Yahweh gave them the commandment not to touch of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for in the day that you do, you shall truly die. You shall surely die. See, they partook or Eve partook and then gave to her husband, Adam, and he willingly took, see, being a type of the Messiah, he partook of that fruit, see, because he's going to willingly die for his bride. Yahshua just setting up the principle, see, of himself coming in, who's going to willingly die for his bride, see. But in Adam, once he partook of that fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the book says that death passed upon all men, you see what right. I'm saying? Now we read over in the book that Adam lived to be 930 years old. So what death were you talking about? It sounds like maybe the serpent knew what he was talking about when he said, you won't surely die. But when you come into this school and get the true story, the whole story, then you come to understand that he died instantaneously in mm. his conscience. Why do we and how do we know that? Because when he told the man or placed him in the garden, he told him, he said he created the man and he also then went into his side and created his wife Eve or brought his wife Eve out from the side of the man. See, and he made a woman. See, you see what I'm saying? And then he told them, he says to be fruitful and multiply. He said they were in the garden. They both were and they were naked but they were not ashamed. See, and when Yahshua brought that out to me, it was like, I was blown away. See, as many of us were, these are the pearls that 
you know, oftentimes we somehow we forget or they become dull with us. But when you even, when he has you us to rehearse them, we then we remember the magnificence of them. See, because they were naked and they were not ashamed. But after they partook of the fruit, it said, I, I just need you. I can't, I don't want to just say it in case somebody never heard it. I need you to go over there to Genesis and just pick that up where it says that they were naked and they were ashamed. If you can find both scriptures, that'd be fine. But this is just showing forth what a change took place, see? That the man, if it's not revealed to you, I'm talking about mankind, you will not see that. Does anyone have that real quickly? Yes, that's Genesis 3. Um, I'll start 3 and 4. I'll read that. Okay. And the serpent said unto the woman, no death will you die. For Elohim doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and ye shall be as Elohim, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open and they knew that they were naked. Now you see that? See, they knew that they were naked. But prior mm -hmm. to that, they were naked and they were like babes. That's, see, that's right. That's Genesis 2 and 25. Okay. Genesis 2 and 25. And they were, excuse me, it's Genesis 2 and 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now you see that? Now that's before they partook of the fruit. They were not a, of the fruit. They were not ashamed. You see, Dr. Kinley had made mention, says they were innocent out there in the garden. They were like babies. Right. You see what I'm saying? They were walking around and you can put little babies around each other or around whoever, and you can butt naked. And they're not ashamed. They don't have no problems with that. They're innocent. They're not looking at their flesh. But now after they partook of the fruit the, of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, then it says that they were naked and they, or they knew that they were naked and they did, did what? Uh, the first reader again. Yes, and the eyes of them both were open and they were naked. And I'm sorry, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Now you see mm -hmm. that? So if they sewed fig leaves together, then they were ashamed of being naked. You see what I'm saying? Right. Do you understand a change took place, see? Because when their eyes were open, they were not walking around in the garden with their eyes closed. But when the eyes were open, it became open to the flesh. Or it became, in other words, the man, his death or the death that took place in the garden was the death of his soul. You ever say where he died in his conscience? See, it's a dead soul that's passing on down. See, that death from Adam. And that's if you got to pick that up over there in the New Testament portion where Paul is talking about that uh, in Adam, all or that the death by sin passed upon all men. I don't know where that's at. In Romans, Romans okay. 5, 12. Okay, you got that? Romans 5 and 12? That's Romans 5 and 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, 
And so death passed upon him, all men, for that all have sinned. Mm-hmm. For until the law, sin was in the world. Mm-hmm. But sin is not imputed where there is no law. Okay. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Now you see that? Now see, so that death from Adam passed upon all men. So now men are dead. You see what I'm saying? Until Yahshua the Messiah. So when they're back over there, and uh, back there under the law and offering up sins and sacrifices, see, that law was just written all around there. They sold it around their hymn lines and all of that kind of stuff. But that law wasn't placed in them. That's why the Messiah knew or Yahweh knew when he would talk to them, as the previous speaker was saying over there in Deuteronomy, he says, but you will corrupt yourself because he knew that the law wasn't in them. They had nothing in them to even keep that law. So the Messiah's got to come in and do what he has to do. And I just want to read you this. I want you to read the one scripture over in uh, Hebrews chapter 10, because I said it. I just want to prove what I said, that that, that uh, those sacrifices back there was the remembrance of sins. If you can read 10 and 3. That's Hebrews 10. Oh, and... Go ahead, Dr. One. Start at 1. I'm sorry. That's Hebrews 10 and 1. For the sacrificial law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices, which they offered year by year continually, make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more consciousness of sins. Now you see that? See, if it, if it were doing what they had hoped that it would, right. see, then they wouldn't have a conscience of sin if it made them perfect by offering that sacrifice. Right. But it did not. And so therefore he goes on to say what? But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. Uh-huh. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Mm -hmm. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, sacrifice and offerings thou didst not desire. Mm -hmm. Mine ears have thou pierced. Burnt offerings and sin offerings hast thou not required. Then I said, lo, I come Mm -hmm. in the volume of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O Yahweh. Okay, read. Above, when he said, sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings, even for sin, thou wouldest not, neither has pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. See, the Messiah didn't, he see, he didn't even have, Yahweh didn't have no pleasure in that. Right. Even though he had given them this strenuous law, see, he had no pleasure in it. He said his, he was full of it, of those sacrifices. You see that? But he was he had given that to them to do. He says, but then, go ahead, read. Then said he, lo, I come to do thy will, O Yahweh. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. So now he came in, you see? And he came in low to do thy will, O Yahweh, he said. Now, he took away that first covenant. That's what Mm -hmm. it's talking about. Go over there and get me Jeremiah 31 and 31. Mm -hmm. He took away the first so that the second might be established. Mm -hmm. So there was a first covenant 
and then there was a second. You see that? So there now he's this covenant, this second one is not going to be like that first one. See, because when the Messiah is going to come in and do away with all of that burnt mm -hmm. offerings and sacrificial animals, and he's going to do away with it by the sacrifice of himself. And when he does that sacrifice, that's going to be a complete atonement for the sin. See, that's going to be sufficient, see, worthy sacrifice that the father uh, commands. You see what I'm saying? That's why he sent his son, because nobody, nobody, nobody could do it. Nobody could do it. That's right. It was only Yahshua Messiah. And John over there in, in Revelation, so he talked about that. See, when he weeped and he looked, you know, weeped much. So, because nobody mm -hmm. could open the book. Nobody can complete this, see. But then he saw a lamb and that lamb, see, you can pick it up and hold that if you want. But that lamb was pointing to Yahshua Messiah, the only true lamb, the only true worthy sacrifice. That's why he's, Yahshua is making us know and understand more and more that we need a savior. See, we, because we're down here at this age, we're in this time right now, don't think you sin back, got it made. No, none of us sin back, got it, got it made. But you, what you do have is the mercy and grace of Yahshua, see. But every day he's saving us. Every single day he's saving you for your, from your thoughts, your own self, some of the carnalities and things that we're plagued by as a result of this negative spirit that's in this world. See, he will save you, keep you intact, keep you whole, keep you in a, uh, keep, keep, you, keep you sheltered, if you will. Don't mm -hmm. think the Messiah is not sheltering you. He is. He sheltered the children of Israel back there and set them aside, see, mm -hmm. set them aside and gave them, see, where there was darkness all over and death all over Egypt, there was light in Goshen. Mm -hmm. See, and we're, we're recognizing the light in us because even though this whole world is falling apart and we know the state and condition of it, but we have hope and faith in the Messiah. Previous speaker was talking about that faith and going through that death, burial, resurrection. When you see the Messiah coming in, dying for your sin, he's the true sacrifice. Sacrificing, shedding his blood. That was his blood that all that blood back there represented under the law. See, so that when he resurrected, see, in other words, we were dead. You see what I'm saying? To the Messiah comes in and resurrected. Now, when he resurrected, see, then now we are in the likeness of his resurrection. You cannot only see and recognize he died, but that he resurrected. And when he resurrected, he resurrected an internal spirit. And it's that eternal spirit. You know what eternal means? That means like forever. See, it's eternity. See, if you will, it's eternal, it's forever, it's complete. He resurrected that, see, and it is that eternal spirit that he then poured out on the day of Pentecost into man. That's why when mankind, when the scripture goes on, and I see the five-minute bell, see, it's a scripture in the book, when we may not have time to get it, where it talks about, see, beloved, believe not every spirit. It says, mm -hmm. but try the spirit, whether they are of Yahweh. See, if that spirit, someone get that scripture. I don't want to misquote it, if you will. That's first John 4 and 1. Okay. Beloved, believe not every spirit, mm -hmm. but try the spirits, whether they are of Yahweh. 
because many false prophets are gone out into the world. That's right. Read. Everybody know ye the spirit of Yahweh. Every spirit that confesseth that Yahshua the Messiah is come in the flesh is of Yahweh. Mm -hmm. And every spirit that confesseth not that Yahshua the Messiah is come in the flesh is not of Yahweh. Mm -hmm. And this is that spirit of the anti-Messiah. Now, you know how we say it, you know, when we were in church, and so we're waiting for Yahshua, they said, we're waiting for Jesus to come. See, but Paul is saying over here, every spirit that confess that the Messiah is come in the flesh, see, is of Yahweh. So what are you talking about? Yes, he did physically come in the flesh, but he took off that flesh and he poured his spirit, the eternal spirit out on the day of Pentecost into the heart and minds of man. Now, that's into your heart and in your mind. And now you now are walking around with that eternal spirit in your flesh. See, you have to understand that because this flesh is not eternal. This flesh will be rent and this flesh will be burnt up. See, but that eternal spirit don't die. It is that spirit in you that will consume this flesh. But that eternal spirit lives on in Yahshua. I am so glad Yahshua was that sacrifice for me. See, as he goes on and he talks about when he's before he was crucified, he said he prayed for them. Father, I pray for those that you have given me. And not only for them, but for those who will believe from their word. So when this gospel is preached and it's believed, see, and it's accepted, see, now you understand the Messiah is in you. See, that is your only hope of glory. That's and right. if he be in you, he does not leave you. Do not think he will leave you. He will mm -hmm. not leave you. He is eternally in you. That eternal spirit in you places you in the kingdom. That's mm -hmm. what place you in the kingdom. Messiah said, my kingdom is not of this earth when they wanted to crucify him. See, but his kingdom is what he was talking about will come, that he prepared a place for those who believed in him. See, on the day of Pentecost, that's when his kingdom come. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Mm -hmm. We're walking around in his kingdom. So no, we don't have nothing to be sad about. This is a trying, horrible times we're in, but Yahshua got this. He got it. And when you feel like you can't do no more or you are subjected to so much, just be still. Call on Yahshua. Stand in him. Believe in him. Have faith in him. Endure in Yahshua Messiah. He will take us through this and run on to the other side for more glorification. I hope somebody got something out of that. Thank you for your time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Nelson, for that beautiful testimony. That brings the conclusion to our lecture uh, for today. I wanted to remind the class that our second series in uh, Special Topic Sunday will be held uh, next Sunday, which is the 2nd of May. <clears throat> also like to thank all our visiting brethren and all of our participants for joining us today. We hope that you do enjoy the lecture. I did believe I saw a hand raised. I couldn't see who it was. Um, but if you have any questions, by all means, please feel free to ask them once we end the Zoom class. We hold Zoom classes on Tuesday and Thursday from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. And on Sundays from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. Once again, we thank all of our visiting brethren and members for joining us. 
And may we all now stand in our heart and mind for doxology. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise Elohim our savior through Yahshua the Messiah our sovereign belong glory majesty dominion and power both before all times now and forever let us all say hallelujah hallelujah, hallelujah.